David Roca is our guest. He's a senior staff attorney in the Baltimore office of the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU of Maryland. And that, uh, he is since 2001, he has worked on significant cases that involve free speech, police misconduct, lesbian and gay rights, privacy, reproductive freedom, and election law, among other issues. Prior to working to the, uh, for the ACLU in uh, Maryland, he was a senior trial attorney in the special litigation section of the Civil Rights Division at the U.S. Department of Justice. More than a pleasure to have David Roca joining us. David, good afternoon and welcome. Welcome. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me on. We have heard that passengers were removed on Spirit Airlines. Uh, we have also heard that four passengers were removed from a flight at BWI that was headed to Chicago. Um, my understanding was that these people wanted to sit together um, and that complaints were made. And, uh, you know, we, we saw this after 9-11. There's anybody who's brown or looks Arab or Muslim uh, you know, uh, is, is frightening people. From my research so far, David, there have been two incidences that have happened in what the past 24 to 48 hours, at least this week. Uh, one where a guy was just watching the news on his phone, um, and then another where people were asking to sit together. Um, first of all, do you guys see a spike whenever there's a terrorist attack on either? Well, first of all, I guess I, I, I should say, is it in your professional opinion? racially profiling these individuals to remove them from a plane because somebody's watching news footage or because somebody desires to sit with the party that they are traveling with? Well, I mean, the short answer is yes. That's certainly what it sounds like from the facts that have been disclosed. I mean, you know, one has to look at the facts. It is possible for someone to do something that legitimately arouses suspicion, and if that's the case, then um, removing them from the plane to confirm or dispel that suspicion is the appropriate thing to do. The question really is, what constitutes legitimately arousing suspicion? And what we saw after 9-11 and what we seem to be seeing now and what has um, happened sometimes in between those two time frames is um, religion or perceived ethnicity becomes a proxy for suspicion. So, for example, um, shortly after 9-11, we, um, I, we here at the ACLU of Maryland, handled a case on behalf of a gentleman named Hassan Sader, who was a U.S. citizen of Moroccan uh, descent uh, and who was, flying on American Airlines um, several months after 9-11, and the woman sitting next to him felt um, uncomfortable, thought that he looked suspicious, but he hadn't actually done anything suspicious, and the airline didn't um, treat him, didn't take seriously the assertion that that he was somehow suspicious, because after they removed him from the flight, he was not put through any further security screening, he was simply put on the next flight. And so what they were really doing in that case was simply accommodating uh, the prejudices of another traveler. And in this country, it is not supposed to be the case that um, my fellow travelers' prejudices get privileged above uh, my own right to equal treatment. Um, and here, 
in the most recent case, at least from the facts that have been disclosed, it, it sounds like that's exactly what's happening. Okay, David, hold that, hold that thought. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be back with you. David Roca, senior staff attorney in the Baltimore office of the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union of Maryland. If you have something to say in this hour regarding this issue, pick up the phone and join us, 888-6-LESLIE. Follow ACLU on Twitter in Maryland at ACLU underscore MD. Back after this. Thursday. This is Leslie Marshall from the Leslie Marshall Show. You know, if you could be more heart healthy just by drinking a glass of earthy vegetable juice daily, would you do it? Probably not. But what if this performance enhancing veggie was transformed into a great tasting circulation superfood drink? Well, it has. It's called Super Beets, and I can help you try it risk-free. Super Beets is loaded with vegetable dietary nitrates, and they boost nitric oxide levels in your body. What does that do, you say? Equals an increase in energy and stamina, but no stimulants. Dietary nitrates are incredible. They also support healthy blood pressure as well. I drink Super Beets in my protein shake every morning for energy. I also drink it sometimes before I go to the gym. It gives me more energy for those extra-long workouts. Or, you know, in the afternoon... For that pick-me-up, I don't need a cup of coffee and those jittery side effects. I drink Super Beets. Plus, Super Beets now comes in black cherry flavors, so if taste was holding you back, no more excuses. I feel so confident offering this to you because I take Super Beets every day in my protein shake. It's my favorite product. I called up the Super Beets folks and I said, hey, what have you done for my listeners lately? So here's what they're doing for you. Over the next few weeks, log on to LeslieLovesBeets.com. And click the order button next to my picture, or you can call 800-305-6011. When you place your order, you will get one free Super Beats canister. That's an extra 30-day supply, a free Beat the Odds book, and free shipping and handling. How great is that? But call now, because in a few weeks, it's going to be all over. Remember, go to LeslieLovesBeats.com today. Click the order button next to my picture before it all ends. That is LeslieLovesBeats.com or call 800-305-6011. That number again is 800-305-6011. Back with our guest, David Roca, senior staff attorney in the Baltimore office of the ACLU. David, thank you for holding and welcome sure. back. Uh, talking about the four passengers removed from the flight at BWI that was headed to uh, Chicago, um, the head of an Islamic civil rights organization this week warned of increased racial profiling of Muslims after the plane was diverted from takeoff in Baltimore. There was a passenger who raised concerns of, quote, suspicious activity uh, because of a traveler whose companions included people who appeared to be of Middle Eastern uh, descent. Um, And uh, Ibrahim Hooper, who was spokesman for the Washington-based Council on American Islamic Relations Care, said, quote, that just indicates it's what we suspected all along. It's flying while Muslim. Have you noticed since Friday's attacks or even after a terrorist attack, an increased number of calls to your office or ACLU offices across the country, David, with complaints of people who feel that they've been uh, racially profiled simply because of the way they look. Yeah, I think, you know, what what happens, um, we all view the world through a lens. 
And what is happening now is we have politicians who are whipping up um, public hysteria and fear um, in ways that are, frankly, just sickening. And that um, is changing the lens by which we view our neighbors. And so, you know, the, the family in this case, and apparently an unrelated person who just happened to be sitting next to them, um, you know, this, this was all apparently started by the crime of watching the, watching the news while being Muslim, um, which obviously should by itself shouldn't be any basis for suspicion. But when you have um, politicians from presidential candidates on down um, forthrightly declaring that all Muslims are suspicious, uh, then it's easy to see how the lens that we look at our neighbors changes. But, uh, you know, we have to recognize the danger in doing that. And the danger isn't just um, kicking people off of planes. Um, what we're talking about doing now with respect to the refugees fleeing uh, death and destruction in the Middle East uh, is sickening. And um, so, yes. Uh, it does happen every time uh, there is uh, something that whips up public fear and hysteria, um, and that is what we are seeing now. It happened after 9-11. It's happened since then. It's happening now, and, you know, it, it probably, sadly, will happen again. But um, we need to guard against it. Speaking of that, there are people listening, that, and, and, and this is, you know, ignorance as well. We saw it after 9-11. We have plenty of people of color in this country. And I would dare say I could get 10 people that I pretty much know who are Iranian, Syrian, Indian, Pakistani, Mexican, Italian, Armenian, line them up, and Americans would say they all look Middle Eastern, even somebody who is perhaps African-American or biracial. And... I say that, or somebody who wears a turban who's typically Sikh, um, and, and, you know, we're ignorant to this. I mean, there was even a man who was Jewish after 9-11 who was praying that, you know, somebody thought, you know, he was doing something crazy and he was he, he was davening, you know what I mean? Uh, and the, 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 what rights does someone have, if any, on a plane when they are being racially profiled? For example... This, that, the plane that we talked to you about, you know, with the, you know, suspicious activity because of these people, simply because of the way they looked. There were some other guys on another plane from, you know, Midway in Chicago, uh, flying mm -hmm. to Houston, where the guys were like, hey, can we sit together? My husband and I have done this with each other or with our kids if we don't get seats all together. Mm -hmm. uh, wh what rights does somebody have? I mean, do you have to just shut up and silently go? Because none of these people have had charges brought against them. None of them have any connections to terrorism. As a matter of fact, I think, you know, authorities and airlines, you know, are, are almost embarrassed that they've done this in, in hindsight, because these are just law-abiding citizens, you know, usually American citizens, who are traveling from point A to point B for business or pleasure. Right. Well, I mean, your rights on the scene are um, minimal, um, Airplanes are the fiefdom of the pilot, and if the pilot tells you to get off, then you have to get off. And there's not, there isn't really recourse or an opportunity to challenge that in the moment. The opportunity to challenge that is after the fact, 
um, by bringing a discrimination claim. And as I said, we we here at the ACLU of Maryland did that um, in a case after 9-11, and the ACLU has done that in other cases uh, around the country. And it may be that, uh, and, and other lawyers have brought similar cases on behalf of other plaintiffs, and the, the folks who were kicked off here um, may have legal recourse. Um, but that's cold comfort. Um, the, the, the act of being um, singled out and humiliated and removed from the plane um, for no other reason other than who you are or what you look like um, is profoundly um, damaging, uh, and um, it isn't legal, um, which doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, um, but there's very little that can be done. I mean, you know, the way to fix this is for all of us uh, who are not the travelers who are flying while Muslim or flying while Middle Eastern looking um, to check ourselves and to make sure that we are not um, looking at people through a lens that we would not want to be looked at ourselves. Um, it's, you know, the golden rule <laughs> uh, contains some very strong truths, and those who profess to live by it ought to try a little harder. And speaking of, I'm glad that you're saying that because I would imagine the majority of people listening would not be profiled but could be somebody who would point to somebody. Um, you know, is is this just, does this stem from fear? Does this stem from ignorance? Does this stem from hatred or, or D, all of, all of the above? Because, you know, we can't, seriously, if, you, if you're going to be so non-trusting, of every individual who's not like, you know, this white Anglo-Saxon Aryan-looking male or female, then I, I would say you're in the wrong country or don't fly on planes. Well, I mean, I, I do think it's all of the above. I think we are seeing some very ugly things happening in the country now with, um, as I said, at the highest levels, people whipping up um, suspicion and hatred uh, for their own political purposes, um, and grounded in um, utter irrationality and um, fear that has no basis in reality. Um, it is not Muslims as a whole who are our enemy uh, any more than uh, when the IRA was engaged in its bombing campaigns. It, would, it was the Irish as a whole um, who were put under suspicion, or when ETA conducts its terrorist attacks in Spain. It is not um, Basques or Spaniards as a whole who are treated as suspicious. And it's because we are able, um, we so easily fall into this trap and willingness to see um, folks from the Middle East um, not as fellow humans uh, who need our compassion um, uh, and who uh, need to be treated like the refugees that they are, um, but we can see them simply as others. We had Ben Carson today um, comparing the, the refugees from the Middle East to dogs. It's just, it's sickening. And, and, and you know, even further sickening is an African-American man who's, who, who's 
ancestors were treated less than dogs. And, yeah, and who, who many comment, and I mean, really, and were, were property that, that were sold and that were bound in chains and, and sold like pieces of furniture, not human beings. I, I just think that Martin Luther King Jr. and other ancestors of the African-American community must be rolling in their graves, especially for an African-American man to make such a statement, especially when you look at the photo of that three-year-old little boy who died, who washed up on the shore in Turkey. I mean, right. these, these, have... are, these are children. These, these are men and women and children who are fleeing ISIS. What, you know, where is our humanity? Right. They're fleeing the same thing that, that, that we profess to be afraid of. Um, but they're the ones who, who, are, um, who have a grounded fear. It is their country that is in flames, uh, not ours. And so it it's um, so sad um, the the ease with which we can lose sight of our fellow humans' humanity, um, and it has to be guarded against. And and that I think is at the root of what's happening. Well, what bothers me is um, about this and so many things is in 2015. Have we learned nothing? from history. We have Donald Trump talking about putting armbands with 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 the crescent moon on Muslims. As somebody who is half Jewish, that repulses me. I could vomit as an American to hear words like that after looking what was done to Jews in the Holocaust. I mean, ha, ha, have we that comes as saying, have we no shame? And the other thing, what are we I'm a mother, what are we teaching our children? I mean, when we're older and they're legislators and they decide, you know, like the movie Soylent Green or whatever, you know, I'll just kill them. They're people. We need food, whatever the hell. Um, it'll be good for, you know, uh, soil. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be good for uh, uh, composting. Um, you know, I mean, seriously, if, we, if we're teaching children to hate, what kind of a nation do we want America to become? I agree. Um, uh, it, it is unbelievable and... Um the, the parallels, you know, to how um, folks in this country and much of the rest of the world talked about the Jews in the um, lead-up to World War II and the Holocaust, you know, that's why six million uh, perished, um, because they couldn't escape. And it is, again, at the root of it is the inability to... Um, feel and see the fellow humanity in the people that we're talking about. You know, that, that Governor Christie can talk about turning back um, three-year-old orphans. Uh, I mean, what? It's, it's, it's so beyond irrational um, that you can clearly see uh, the, the just... The, the utter inhumanity and the, the, the utter inability um, to recognize uh, the people that they're talking about as fellow human beings. And, and that, that inability um, is profoundly, profoundly dangerous. Speaking of that, would you say that in 2015 we are less tolerant or more based on cases that come across your desk there at the ACLU in Maryland, David? 
And not just oh, toward, toward Muslims, toward, you know, any minority. Uh, In general? That, yeah. That's a hard question to answer. You know, I mean, Martin Luther King has a famous quote about the arc of the moral universe bending towards justice. And as someone who has devoted my entire professional career for the last 20-plus years, um, engaged in at least what I perceive to be the the fight for that, the justice that he was talking about, um, it's hard for me not to um, believe in the truth of his words. Um, but we do seem to fight many battles over and over again, and for every step forward, sometimes it seems like we take two steps backward. I mean, it's not to say that there has been no progress uh, on many things. That there has, um, but... These these problems that we're confronting, the problem that we're talking about now, I think is a problem not just with this country. It's a problem with human beings. It's about the way our brains work, the way we think. Um, and uh, so we need to call it out when we see it. And, um, you know, it's interesting that a, a number of very um, conservative Christian organizations um, have responded quite negatively to the demagoguery and scapegoating and um, outright prejudice that we see happening now um, from the Catholic bishops uh, on down, I think because um, they uh, recognize what we're talking about today. Um, So it it isn't universal, um, and I think it can be combated, but it requires a willingness uh, on the part of uh, those who are not necessarily the victims to speak up and speak out. Thank you for being with us, David. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy there. Hopefully things will change for the better. David Roca, Senior Staff Attorney in the Baltimore office of the ACLU in Maryland. Follow them on Twitter at ACLU underscore MD, and their website is ACLU hyphen MD dot org.